You must tell me all your secrets. Remember, we must share everything together. Begin to play with death. Hello, everyone. I'm Annie Rose Malamet, and you're listening to the first episode of Girls, Guts, and Jalo. We are going to be talking about the 1976 film Alice, Sweet Alice. The audio you heard there was from the trailer back when. The film was remarketed and re-released in 1981 under the title Holy Terror, um, which was marketed um, because of the popularity of Shields after her performance in Louis Malle's uh, Pretty Baby from 1978, in which Brooke Shields plays a child sex worker. Um, and we will probably talk about that film at some point. So I chose Alice Sweet Alice as the first film I want to discuss um, because I remember very specifically when this film was on uh, Bravo's 100 Scariest Movie Moments back in the day. I think that show might have been on in the mid-2000s, like I want to say um, 2005, 2006-ish, and they would always play it around Halloween, and it was a countdown show of um the obviously the hundred scariest movie moments. So Alice Sweet Alice was directed by Alfred Soul and it was written by um, Rosemary Ritvo and Alfred Soul. Uh, it was inspired by Nicholas Roeg's uh, thriller Don't Look Now. At the time, Soul had been working as an architect restoring historic buildings in his hometown of Patterson, New Jersey, and several properties he had worked on were used as shooting locations in the film, um, and filming took place throughout the summer of 1975 on location in Patterson, New Jersey, where the film is actually set. While this film was not prosecuted for obscenity, the film was seized and confiscated in the UK under Section 3 of the Obscene Publications Act in 1959 during the Video Nasty Panic. There's a great documentary on Shudder about the Video Nasty Panic um, in the UK in which um, many uh, horror films um, and erotic films were uh, banned or censored. But in the years since its release, the film has accrued a cult following, and it's considered a classic of the slasher subgenre in critical circles. Prior to writing and directing Alice Sweet Alice, Soul had directed his debut feature, which was an adult film titled Deep Sleep, so a porn, <laughs> in 1972. 
Uh, the release of the film resulted in obscenity charges being brought against Seoul in the state of New Jersey, as well as a formal excommunication from the Roman Catholic Diocese of Patterson, New Jersey. This event has been largely credited as a, as influential to the apparent anti-religious uh, sentiment of Alice Sweet Alice. When Soul and Ritvo were um, developing the character of Alice, they wanted to create a child who has been neglected and who could go either way, dividing the audience in regards to her guilt or innocence in the crimes committed. Soul chose to set the film in 1960s era Patterson, New Jersey, which is his hometown, and uh much of the family drama and dynamics are actually um, pulled from his own Italian Catholic upbringing. The character of Mrs. Tridoni was based on a woman who lived at the Catholic rectory next door to his grandmother's house and looked after the clergy. Uh, Sol was an inexperienced filmmaker when he made Alice Sweet Alice. Brooke Shields was first to be cast in the film after auditioning in New York City for it in 1975. Um, Sol had seen her modeling in a Vogue advertisement and contacted her mother about the film, expressing his interest in her playing the role of young Karen. Sol cast Paula Shepard, then a college student in the film, as 12-year-old Alice, so she's actually much older, um, which I think sort of lends to the ambiguity of her character and if she is guilty or not. She... Uh, looks much older than she is, which is an old adage I think that a lot of young women can relate to of developing very early and then being told that you look a lot older than you are. Uh, Shepard was actually 19 years old and she was discovered by Soul working as a dancer in a local university stage production. Linda Miller um, an actress and the daughter of Jackie Gleason was cast in the role of Alice and Karen's mother, Catherine. And actually, at one point, the production was temporarily halted after Linda Miller attempted suicide. Allied artists purchased the film for North American distribution and forced the filmmakers to change the title from Communion to Alice, Sweet Alice, out of fear that the public would perceive it to be a Christian film. Allied artists revised the title, Alice Sweet Alice, originated from a quote in volume 16 of the publications of the Catholic Truth Society, published in 1898. Um, the quote where the title comes from reads, Then there is Alice, Sweet Alice, your eldest born, who leans over the back of your chair and sweeps your face with her brown curls. Apparently, Soul did not like the title change, um, but in the end, he lost out on that. And Alice, Sweet Alice, is how the film is known. The plot centers around the murder in the film, um, but it also examines the family's self-destruction. And the filmmakers construct a running commentary on um, Catholicism and the family structure. So now that we have some background on Alice, Sweet Alice, um, I want to get right into talking about the plot and sort of analyzing some of what I believe to be um, undercurrents of themes about 
not only Catholicism and family dynamics, but also um, the relationship between femininity and repression in the Catholic Church. Um, but the film opens with a girl frantically reciting a prayer uh, with a communion veil and uh, a cross, which will eventually turn into a knife that she's holding. So the film opens in Patterson, New Jersey, uh, with single mother Catherine Spages. She visits, she's visiting with Father Tom, a priest at the church that she attends with her daughters. Um, and she is accompanied by nine-year-old Karen, played by Brooke Shields, and 12-year-old Alice, played by Shepard, who both attend St. Michael's Parish Girls' School. Karen is preparing for her first communion, and Father Tom gives her his mother's crucifix as a gift. So this already sets up the competition between Alice and Karen, um, who are kind of subtly pitted against each other right away in the beginning of the film with Father Tom um, giving his mother's crucifix to Karen instead of Alice. A jealous Alice, um, she then puts on this translucent mask, frightening Father Tom's housekeeper, Mrs. Tredoni. That will become very important, this mask. The mask looks like... um, it's one of those translucent masks that has makeup on it. So when the wearer puts it on, it gives this very scary um, kind of inhuman effect uh, where the the makeup is transposed onto the wearer's face. But that is never really what it looks like. Um, it, it's always it always looks very creepy. Uh, Alice then steals Karen's porcelain doll Um and kind of puts it on this like little shrine in an abandoned warehouse. Um, it's a very creepy doll. It's one of those old fashioned dolls that has the face, the multiple faces on the head where you can change it around and uh, give the doll different expressions. So she puts this little doll in her in her hiding place and lights a, a votive candle. So again, we're immediately kind of taken into that that catholic space which we're kind of feeling like uh alice has created her own little church environment here so then by stealing the doll alice lures karen into this abandoned warehouse um where she famously jumps out from behind a corner and scares Karen. This is the scene that was in Bravo's 100 Scariest Movie Moments, and it is extremely unsettling. Alice, um, in this scene, pulls off the translucent mask, and underneath the mask is another mask, which is a hag mask, an old woman with the translucent mask that has the makeup on it it's already kind of setting this up to be it, it's like a, a grotesque kind of uh farce of femininity this mask um and this little girl uh kind of putting this adult woman's face over her face um it's creating the dichotomy between a grown woman and a young girl, which we will see again and again in this film. And um, keep in mind, 
Shepard was 19. Um, and there, I believe that the casting of her in such a young role was very much on purpose because she is supposed to be at that threshold of um, becoming a woman. And that that's something that you also is played up in the Holy Terror uh, trailer that you, that we heard in the beginning. So on the day of her first communion, um, Karen is trying on her veil um, and Alice, uh, you know, is, is very jealous and she's trying the veil on and Karen uh, completely freaks out uh, at, at about that. Um, and I there's this very interesting a shot of uh, Alice in the mirror with the veil, and it it's almost like she's grasping at purity and virginity and femininity by playing with Karen's veil. Um, she's unwilling. She doesn't want to grow up. Uh, she doesn't want to get past this first communion stage, which... I mean, I'm a Jew, so I don't know a ton about this, but I believe happens when you're seven. So she she doesn't want to grow up from the stage. She's kind of in arrested development. So something I found interesting was Catherine, um, the mother, says to Alice during this tantrum she's having, you're going to be the prettiest girl there. Wait till Father Tom sees you, which I just kind of wanted to mention. I found that so odd. Um and telling that Father Tom, uh, you know, is kind of he's a priest, so he's not really supposed to be sexualized. Um, but he is still kind of he's held up as the ultimate patriarchal figure, which uh, who you're supposed to please with your femininity. There is this also this antagonistic relationship that's set up between Alice and um the landlord, Mr. Alfonso, who's played by Alfonso de Noble, a New Jersey native who was cast after director Soul had seen him impersonating a priest in a local cemetery. So this very um, creepy antagonistic relationship between those two characters is set up. So right after um, Catherine says, oh, wait till Father Tom sees you, there's a a dramatic cut to a woman singing at the church um, at the communion service. And the first thing she said is, Lord, my savior, sanctify my breast. So there are so many um, allusions here to womanhood being set up already. And then we have the communion scene where Karen um, is strangled to death in the uh church transept and this scene is uh intercut with uh children lined up to take communion and karen is strangled by a figure in a uh yellow raincoat and the translucent mask that alice was wearing earlier and alice was also wearing the yellow raincoat earlier this is again a hearkening back to Don't Look Now, which centers around a little girl um, in a red raincoat. So it's very much um, inspired by that film. So Karen is strangled, which is immediately very shocking because we're not used to seeing um, children, especially little girls, brutalized 
and murdered in film in until much later. So that is still something that is pretty taboo to people to kill a child in a film. Um, so I just found that really interesting and probably part of why the film faced uh, obscenity charges um, because that is such a shocking image. Karen's body is hidden in a church bench, um, which is then lit on fire with a candle. And before the killer leaves her there, the killer snatches a cross necklace off of her neck. Then we go back to the uh, communion scene of the children taking the communion wafer. And Alice has tried to take communion. She is in a communion veil. She's sort of like snuck in there. And while the other children are sort of kind of like innocently just sticking their tongues out um, to receive the communion, Alice is grotesquely sort of like widening her mouth and sticking her tongue out and, you know, kind of distorting her face. So she's, you know... The way that she does it is so different that the other than the other children that it has to be intentional on the part of the actress and the director. Um, she's kind of honestly looks like she's about to give a blowjob. So it's very much, again, setting up this idea that Alice is on this the threshold of being this sexual being. And, of course, communion, you're also on your knees receiving. Um, Catherine, the girl's mother, her sister Annie is there. So there's another duality that's set up here. So there's Catherine and Karen, who are like the perfect, beautiful uh, girl and women in the film. And then there's Alice and Annie, who are like the aberrant kind of... um, women here. So Catherine and Annie sisters are analogous to um, Alice and Karen. So Annie has a daughter uh, named Angela, who is, uh, you know, it's kind of commented on a few times that she's uh, fat. um, And she goes to look for Karen because they can't find her, right? Because she's already dead in the bench. Then they cannot find Angela. So Annie goes to look for Angela and a panic breaks out. And as this panic is breaking out, um, Alice doesn't get to receive communion. And she is uh, begging her mother to be able to to receive communion. And she says, father wouldn't give me and then trails off. And there's kind of like this illusion. We don't really understand if she's talking about her about the, the priest father, but, you know, father is, is also refers to the absent father. So again, more doubles. So it's a nun who has noticed uh, smoke coming from the transept. Lo- she locates Karen's body and screams in horror, disrupting the communion ceremony. At Karen's funeral, there's an interesting scene where um, Alice and... Some of the other children are speaking to the landlord, Mr. Alfonso. Um, and Mr. Alfonso is really painted here as a big creep. So 
He's very fat, which is already sets up his otherness. Um, and he's kind of creeping on the kids here and saying that Karen was such a pretty girl and it's too bad that she's the one in the box, you know, kind of implying that Alice should have been the one to be murdered. It is during my rewatch here that I started to think maybe that Mr. Alfonso was being uh, queer coded a little bit as well. You know, he's kind of like mincing with his words and, you know, just the kind of the way that he interacts with the kids is very like queer coded. And Alice does this kind of weird thing where she um, sucks her finger at him, which is very, very sexual. And he says it's always the pretty ones that die. And then he watches the kids leave through this like creepy peephole he has in his apartment. And we also see this shot that kind of comes out of nowhere, which is very shocking, of Karen's um, kind of mutilated body. We assume it's an autopsy photo, um, and we kind of assume that this is happening at the police station. Annie uh, moves in for a little bit with um, her sister, Catherine, and Alice to kind of, you know, take care of her sister and be there for her during this awful time. And uh, Alice and Annie start to clash and fight a lot. And Catherine is the kind of the voice of reason. And again, I sort of think about, the, I think about the theme here of doppelgangers and doubles. And this is something that Kira La Janice talks about in House of Psychotic Women a lot, which is probably one of my all-time favorite books. And I ref- I will reference it a lot on this podcast. Um, she talks about the idea of the doppelganger and how there's this Alice and Karen look quite a bit alike, except maybe Karen is a little prettier because she has fuller lips. Um, That's kind of what the setup is here. And the doppelganger serves in, in, in a way to emphasize the inadequacies of the main character. And Alice is really the main character. I mean, the movie is named Alice, Sweet Alice. So she Karen her sister Brooke Shields kind of represents for her everything that she's not and then I think that Annie her her aunt represents everything that she is you know she's the less pretty sister she's more outspoken um more assertive and I think that this is why these characters have friction because they're so much alike, but there also is a lot of self-hate going on there. You know, you hate, you always hate yourself the most. And I think that that is why these two characters have this friction in the film. So at one point, Alice goes upstairs to Mr. Alfonso to give him the rent check and Mr. Alfonso is just being kind of generally creepy, like fanning himself listening to opera, which also made me feel like he was being queer coded. But he also um, tries to assault Alice and he tries to sexually assault Alice. And it's obviously horrifying. And I think that him being kind of coded as like effeminate is not to literally say that he's, oh, this is a gay man, but I think it's more to, um, you know, set him up as an aberrant character. Um, 
when Mr. Alfonso tries to assault Alice, she kills his cat by snapping the cat's neck. So meanwhile, Catherine's ex-husband, Dominic, begins independently investigating the murder. So this, with the introduction of Dominic, who goes by the name Dom, there's also a um, a doppelganger scenario or theme, motif, whatever you want to call it, set up here between Dom and Father Tom. Like, obviously, right? Dom, Tom. And they also look kind of alike. So while Detective Spina the name of the detective is formally handling the case um this is when the the family drama between all the women is happening after the attempted assault by mr alfonso um shortly after while ascending the steps to go shopping annie is attacked by a raincoated figure again the yellow raincoat and a mask um a raincoated figure in a mask at the hospital annie claims that alice tried to kill her and at the hospital, Catherine reveals that she was pregnant when she got married. So she was already pregnant with Alice before she got married, which in the eyes of the Catholic Church is a sin. Um, and this gets revealed because she says that, that Annie hates Alice because uh, she got she is a, a product of fornication, of sex outside marriage. So that is important. And it also sets up this idea of sin, uh, of tarnished womanhood. So we know Alice is a product of sin and and she's the aberrant sister, right? Uh, Karen was conceived in the right way, like in a, a Catholic, good Catholic marriage. And Alice was conceived outside of that. And this is part of the reason for her, her oddness, her odd behavior. But Dom and Catherine believe Alice. They believe that she did not do it. So before uh, Alice is sent to the psychiatric institution, she is questioned by the police um, and she's given a lie detector test. And during this scene, the detective giving the lie detector test and Detective Spina are watching her through the glass and... The lie detector detective says, she's a weird little girl. Did you notice her tits? When I went to put the tube around her, she looked up at me like she wanted me to feel her up. So, again, like, remember that they're talking about a 12-year-old girl here. So, it's number one, disgusting. I think it's supposed to be disgusting. I don't think it's supposed to paint these guys in a good light or anything. Um, but I think more importantly, it sets up the idea that Alice, again, is on the threshold of womanhood. Um, she is blossoming and people are noticing and she has now entered that space that I think as women we all remember as women and, um, you know, assigned female at birth people uh, will remember. And actually, you know, I, I don't even want to go that specific. I think a lot of I think young boys are also highly sexualized. But I think as young boys get older they um are start to receive a little bit more respect whereas when as young girls get older they are um seen as 
is fair game. And after this guy says this disgusting thing, Alice, um, she doesn't hear him, but she knocks over his lie detector machine, which I think is just great. So Alice is pathologized by the psychiatric, um, by the psychiatrist at the institution. And the psychiatrist reveals to her mother when she's meeting with her privately, with her and Dom, that uh, Alice is menstruating already. And she's hid this from her mother. You know, Alice obviously doesn't want to grow up here. And then we we kind of see her, this like forlorn shot of her in the quote unquote playground of the psychiatric institution. And she has on these pigtails and she looks just way too old to be wearing them. This is when I noticed during my rewatch, um, Alice and Catherine share this long embrace before Catherine leaves to leaves her at the psychiatric institution. And there's this shot of them. It's an aerial shot of them in this stairwell. And stairs are such uh, a recurring motif in this film. I believe that the stairs in this film are an allusion to moving through the stages of life. The stages of life as a woman. So starting as an infant and then becoming a beautiful little girl and then going through this kind of this womanhood where you're blossoming and then ending up as the hag, the bitter hag. Catherine gets a very creepy phone call at home, which is just someone breathing on the other line. And she thinks it's her sister who feels guilty for accusing Alice of um, attacking her with a knife in the stairwell. And Dom and Catherine have like a little tryst, even though Dom has been remarried. They don't have sex, but they kiss and then they're interrupted by another phone call. And the phone call is uh, Dom's wife asking him, you know, when he's going to be home. Then Dom is out and about in the world, uh, kind of on this bridge near the house, and he sees a masked figure um, in a yellow raincoat who leads him into a warehouse. And then there's more stare imagery here. And we can see on the raincoat that it says St. Michael's, which is the name of the school. And the figure stabs Dom um, and knocks him unconscious. And when Dom comes to, he's tied up. And this figure takes off the mask. And we see that it is um, Mrs. Tredoni, who you'll recall was scared in the beginning by Alice wearing the mask. So maybe that's where she got the idea. But we see that it is her. She's the killer. So, right, we have the, the kind of the final uh, incarnation of womanhood here, the the hag, right? So we, got, we have uh, Karen as the angelic, beautiful, virginal little girl that we then have Alice as the uh, girl reluctant to enter womanhood, uh, the adolescent girl. Then we have Catherine, the mother, as um, this kind of angelic mother figure. And then we have Mrs. Tredoni, the final life stage of woman, uh, the old, the, old, the crone. Tredoni, Mrs. Tredoni, kills Dom 
pretty brutally. She uh, knocks him in the teeth and with a brick and throws him out the window. Tredoni then goes to confession and as the father relieves her of her sins, I mean, obviously she doesn't say that she murdered someone. She just says she's been sinning. Um, she has this look on her face of like complete orgasmic pleasure. So that will, that will happen again later in the film, that this look that she has. And again, we see uh, that the, the association between sexuality and Catholicism. During the murder, Mrs. Trudoni uh, chastises Dom and Catherine as sinners over their premarital sex and divorce. So this is her motivation for the killings. After And it's after Dominic bites Karen's crucifix off her neck. She's wearing Karen's crucifix on her neck. Then Mrs. Trudoni beats him with her shoe and pushes him out a window to his death. During Dom's autopsy, the pathologist finds Karen's crucifix in his mouth, and Alice is formally eliminated as a suspect. After hearing of Dom's death, Catherine goes to visit Father Tom, and he's not home. Uh, but Mr. Trudoni invites Catherine in, and while preparing the night's dinner, uh, which she's preparing a fish, which again, Jesus symbolism, obviously, she explains to Catherine that when her own daughter died on the day of her first communion, she realized children are punished for the sins of their parents. And in her grief and madness, she devoted herself to the church. And it's kind of like there's like a build here of creepy music. And then, um, you know, she doesn't actually kill Catherine because Father Tom arrives in the midst of the conversation and he and Catherine leave to get Alice from the institution. So he's kind of standing in for Dom. Later that day, um, Mrs. Tridoni sneaks into Catherine and Alice's apartment building, unaware that they've left for church. Uh, simultaneously, at the, same, so at the same time, Mr. Alfonso wakes up screaming because we see that Alice has mischievously placed a jar of cockroaches on him while he slept. So Alice has kind of a thing for cockroaches. They were also in her shrine, her doll shrine in the warehouse. And I think that the cockroaches here are kind of an allusion to more aberrant femininity. Insects are also a, a, a symbol that have been used a lot in film and art and literature to be associated with female sexuality. While Mr. Alfonso is kind of like screaming and throwing the cockroaches on him, he encounters Mrs. Tredoni in the staircase and mistakes her for Alice and shakes her and, you know, he, he pushes her against a wall. And while she's against the wall, she stabs him to death and flees. However, Detective Spina witnesses her running out of the back entrance without a mask on. Um, and Mrs. Tredoni rushes to the church where the police are stationed outside she cuts in line to get communion. So this associates her with Alice, right, in the beginning where she was shoving her way in line to take communion. And uh, Father Tom denies her communion. Uh, and Mrs. Tredoni points at Catherine and screams, but he gave, but you gave it to that whore. And then violently stabs Father Tom as the police rush in and Father Tom dies in Mrs. Trudoni's arms while she has this look of orgasmic pleasure on her face as the blood rushes out of him. Alice, there's a shot of her walking somberly, kind of like a bride, 
um, down the aisle, but in reverse because she's walking away from the aisle. She's walking away from Faith. And she has Mrs. Tredoni's shopping bag and she places the bloodstained butcher knife into it. So it kind of leaves it on a cliffhanger there. You know, is she going to is she going to go on and, and be this killer right so it kind of maybe even sets it up for a sequel which never happened that is the plot of alice sweet alice again just to kind of recap here the overarching theme here in the film seems to be the passage of a girl through the stages of womanhood culminating sort of in the murderous hag here femininity is there's a lot of duality a lot of dichotomies that set up between the good, the pretty, pretty girls and the weird, ugly girls. Um, Mrs. Tredoni, I notice, does not have a counterpart. Mrs. Tredoni is an old woman with gray hair and an Italian accent. So again, she's the killer. So uh, Alice kind of ripping off that translucent mask in the beginning to reveal her hag face is kind of um, almost like a setup for Mrs. Tredoni being the killer. And a lot of doppelganger themes, a lot, the characters, a lot of them look very similar. So Alice and Karen look like almost identical. Catherine and and Annie look very similar, but there's always just like a slight thing like Alice is just a little bit more, um, how do you even say it? Because it's so subjective. She's a little weirder looking and just like Kat, there's something off. And Catherine and Annie, um, Annie is just not as pretty as Catherine. There's just like something off there. Dom and Tom are like the patriarchal figures, but and they both die. <laughs> so uh, they're both killed by Mrs. Uh, Tredoni. Uh, so the, the 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 patriarch here is uh, is murdered, which, you know, honestly, considering Alfred Soule's sentiments against the Catholic Church, it's probably a, a larger symbol for the Catholic Church, which is a very patriarchal institution. So this has been the first episode of Girls, Guts, and Jalo. Um, I hope you enjoyed. Give me a follow on Instagram at Girls, Guts, and Jalo. You can also follow my personal account at Fat Goth, F-A-T-G-A-W-T-H. Typically, I will uh, be recapping or, you know, discussing themes and films on my own just because of scheduling issues. But I do have a really great lineup of uh, guests. That is definitely coming. It won't always be just me here. I'll change up the format a little bit. Um, I'm just going to do whatever works for me with timing and production. So thank you for listening and I'll see you next week on Girls, Guts, and Jello. As we leave here, I'm going to play you some music from Alice Sweet Alice.